Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we recognize you as the Lord of life, the Lord who gives life, the Lord who sustains life. Father, I feel uh, burdened for the moment to just uh, set aside a little bit of time to pray for our community, to pray uh, for those who are at work in our healthcare systems, for those who are tired, for those who could use a break, but there's no one in sight. Um, Lord, I pray that you would embolden those who are caring for those among us who are ill. And I pray, Lord, for those who are ill, for those who are at home, I'm not sure if they have COVID, but feeling some symptoms, for those who have fled to the hospital because they could not breathe, for those who are wondering if they will be able to get the help they need in time. Lord, we know by and large, people are getting great care, and we thank you for that, that you have provided a path for that. So Lord, ultimately, what I would pray for God right now is an end to the pandemic that rages in our land. Lord, I desperately, and I think we as a body and a community, desperately pray for an end. So Lord, for now, knowing that you are God, we trust you. And we submit our lives to you. Lord, I, I lift the other churches up in our area today. I pray that uh, ours and their worship is pleasing to you. I pray the gospel would be proclaimed uh, from the stage, from the pulpit, in churches across our area, that none of our churches would be ashamed of the gospel, that they would not be apologetic for who you are and for the truths found in your scripture. Embolden us all, Lord. And Lord, we pray for a change, for a transformation in Belton and in Bell County that could reach the rest of the world. And ultimately, because you're God. Lord, may we be honoring of you today. It's in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Uh, before we get started in the sermon, uh, I, I want to mention something. Uh, most of you are aware of the earthquake that occurred in the island of Haiti yesterday. And uh, last evening, I put a post on Realm, our, our church's uh, internal communication system. I put a, a post on Realm that I would be calling on the church uh, to give toward a, the, our disaster relief fund. Uh, that will go toward those who are helping in Haiti. We have two partners that the money that you give toward our disaster relief fund today or when you, whenever you give it, uh, that uh, this money will go to these two partners. One of these partners is Hope for the Hungry. You know them well. Uh, they will be, their plan is to provide meals, and that's uh, one thing they do so well. And so over the course of the next few uh, days and weeks, they are... Uh, raising funds, and they uh, are attempting to 
prepare about 120,000 meals to get to Haiti within five to six weeks. Um, at that time, you would suspect that um, the relief efforts will subside and this will be a good time as the mills enter in to infuse some new energy into what will be needed in Haiti at that time. And they estimate that that will cost them around $12,000 to get that done. Another one of our partners is Together for Haiti. Together for Haiti is a partner that we've had for a few years now, and they work directly in the ground in Haiti, and they have been asked to provide medical supplies as quickly as possible. And so they will be able to purchase supplies in Port-au-Prince and then get them via a charter plane to the region that is uh, most affected. They cannot send it by land because by land they would be driving through the most gang-infested areas of the country and they could not guarantee that the supplies would even make it. But they can do it via charter plane. And so they have also estimated their cost to be around $12,000. So church... uh, We're not the only organizations they are reaching out to, so we would definitely not be expected to raise $24,000 for both Hope for the Hungry or Together for Haiti. But I think as a church, we can love well and do well. So give to the Disaster Relief Fund and know that what you give will go toward those two organizations and their efforts uh, to minister in the island of Haiti. Okay? So thank you so much. And I I just pray, church, that, that we love well in this. We are in uh, the midst of a sermon series called Not Ashamed. The first week uh, we talked about not ashamed and that the gospel is for everyone. Uh, believers and unbelievers, we all have need of the gospel. And then uh, we also talked about in that sermon about not being ashamed and uh, praying that we would never regret the decision that we make to follow Christ and that we would never be ashamed to be associated with him and his church. And then in the second week, last week, we talked about not ashamed, who's your one? We talked about the idea that whenever we hear sermons about the gospel and sharing the gospel, that God tends to bring a person to mind, uh, maybe three people, maybe six people. But for a lot of us, it's that one person who God just continually brings up. The image of that person comes up. And, and we want to realize that God is sending us to our one. And we as a church want to be a church that would support you in that and recognizing that the Holy Spirit is sending you and we would release you to go reach your one. We want to be able to give you the skills to do that through great teaching. We want to worship together. We want to seek God's will together. We'll follow the the Holy Spirit's leading together and we will uh, uh, bless you in your ministry and release you to go reach your one. And then we talked about praying for our one and sharing our uh, own stories of God's activity in our lives with our one. And we talked about uh, sharing the message of salvation in Jesus with our one, and sharing Bible verses with our one, and uh, showing how the gospel relates to them. This week, we're talking about not ashamed, what's your story? So that's the title of today's message, not ashamed, what's your story? If I were to say the name Bob Phillips, can anybody place that name? Bob Phillips. Does anybody know who that is? A lot of you know who he is. So Bob Phillips. If I were to say Texas country reporter, now do you, now is it coming together? Uh, those of you uh, who have enjoyed watching the show, Texas country reporter Bob Phillips, 
uh, and his, his wife are the ones who now produce that show. And here's what they say about Texas Country Reporter. They say, hop in and travel with Bob and Kelly Phillips on a road trip to discover the uplifting stories and must-see destinations in the Lone Star State. On our weekly television program, you'll meet oddball collectors, thought-provoking artists, and everyday heroes making the world a better place. And of course, we'll stop at every Backroads Cafe in Texas Landmark and along the way because for us, the journey is the destination. Bob Phillips was a reporter in the early 70s who was like a typical reporter reporting the bad stuff, reporting the bad news. And it exhausted him and it tired him. And he, he found a mentor or he, he watched a man who, who did the good stories. And he said, you know, I want to do that. I want to be a part of the good stories. And so for the rest of his life, uh, he has produced the good stories. Then here's what he says more about their show. He says, if you haven't watched our show, well, it's just stories about people you've probably never heard of before and possibly will never hear of again. Ordinary people who are often doing extraordinary things with their lives. Everybody has a story is what he would say. And if you can just spend time long enough with anyone, you'll find out their story. You'll find out just something, the incredible things that have happened in their life along the way. You know, for us, we talk about the gospel. One of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago is how the gospel is shared one heart to the next, from faith to faith, from one heart to the next. History, history is filled with people we've never heard of who were faithful to share Jesus from their heart to the next heart. They shared what God was doing in their life with others. And they shared about the good news and grace found in Jesus with others. They shared from their heart to the next. Because they had an amazing story. And you, if you're in Christ, you have a story. You have a story if you're in Christ. You have a fantastic story of grace and redemption. Every believer's story is a majestic tale of, of one who was destined to an eternal darkness apart from God, of one who met Jesus, and of one who was transformed by Him. One whose eternal destination will now be in the presence of the one who made us all. You all have a story. There are some people in our room that also have stories, and I want to take a moment to recognize them. This week, this past week at UMHB, uh, things got rolling. And this week uh, in our local school districts, things will get rolling. We have a lot of uh, those people in our church who work in education. We have administrators. We have teachers. We have bus drivers. We have uh, those who work in the cafeteria. Uh, we have custodians. Uh, we have security guards. There are all types of people that we have in our in our church and they have amazing stories and if you listen to a teacher somebody works with children you could listen all day with some of the amazing stories they've had of how how god has used them in just a specific way to reach a specific person and so as as we enter into this week we want to take a moment to recognize our educators so if you work with 
uh, the universities, the colleges, or any of our public school systems or private schools, would you take a moment and, and stand so we can recognize you? Yeah, don't be shy. Go ahead and stand. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lord, we, we lift our educators up to you now. Uh, probably more than anybody in our church. More than any profession. They come across lost people every day. More lost people than just about anybody else. Every day they're surrounded by people who so desperately need you. So Lord, I, I lift up our educators to you as they enter into the world this week of, of teaching, of caring for, of planning for, of hoping for the best in, in their futures, in, in the long hours. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bless our educators. Um, thank you for them. And thank you for the stories that they have that you have written for them. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, educators. Um, so we have a story. We all have a story. Uh, this morning, we are going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19. And we're going to be taking a look at the story of Zacchaeus. So Luke 19 will be in verses 1 through 10. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. So let's read together. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So there are so many things in this passage that we will not deal with. Uh, There are so many things. We're not going to deal with... Um, Zacchaeus breaking all the social norms and climbing up into a tree as such as that he did. We're not going to talk about how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name and how Jesus knows your name. We're not going to talk about how Zacchaeus uh, made an evidence of faith necessarily by calling Jesus Lord. Um, and we're not going to talk about um, how there's no one that is too far to be reached by Jesus. Um, what we will talk about today is just the parts of Zacchaeus's story. So Zacchaeus had three parts to his story within this passage, and we too have these same three parts. In verses 1 through 3, we have Zacchaeus before he knew Jesus. We had Zacchaeus before 
he knew Jesus. In verses 1 through 3, we know that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Before he knew Jesus, he was a tax collector. Before he knew Jesus, we know he was a cheat. We know he was a traitor. We know he was greedy. We know he was selfish. Before meeting Jesus, he was all of these things. We also know that he had an interest in the Lord, but he didn't know him. So Zacchaeus would say in his story before he knew Jesus that he was a bad man. He did not love his people. He treated them unfairly. That he was more concerned about wealth and the gain of wealth. And the people didn't like him very much. Zacchaeus' story before he knew Jesus. In verses 4 through 6, we see how Zacchaeus met Jesus. Zacchaeus met Jesus. He he climbed a tree which indicated that he he was seeking a little more information about who this man was. He he kind of sought a little bit of information about Jesus, wanted to see him in action. We also know that at that point in the story when Jesus arrives, that Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus's life. And we know that those of us who know Jesus know that Jesus did that for us too. Jesus invited himself into our lives. And in Zacchaeus, it says in verse 6 that he joyfully received him. So this is how Zacchaeus met Jesus. He, in, he sought Jesus out. Jesus invited himself into his life and he received Jesus there. And then after meeting Jesus in verses 7 through 10, uh, we know that after Zacchaeus received Jesus, that there was some pushback. There were some people who didn't like what Jesus did for him, that Jesus was spending time with him, that Jesus had entered his life. There were grumblers around him. We also know that for Zacchaeus, that he repented. He had repented and there was evidence of that uh, repentance because he was generous with his money, that he righted the things that were wrong. And we also know what Jesus had to say about him, that Zacchaeus had been a lost man and was now saved. So those were the three parts of Zacchaeus' story that we see in, in our Bibles. Zacchaeus was not a good man. Zacchaeus was a cheat. He was greedy. Then he met Jesus. And Jesus invited himself into his life. And Zacchaeus joyfully received him. And he was transformed. And then when he was transformed, Zacchaeus became a, a man who uh, related right, rightly to, the, to his people. He became generous and he, and he did the right thing. And so this was who Zacchaeus was. He was lost and then he was saved. What's your story? What's your story? Is your story like Zacchaeus's? Is your story maybe like Peter's? Before you knew Jesus, you were brash, quick to talk, quick to anger. 
Then you met Jesus and you were transformed. And all of a sudden, a little gentleness came into your life because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You became more focused in your anger because it became righteous and on the right thing instead of just on anything. Uh, maybe your story is like Paul's. You were zealous. You, you sought all kinds of religious items. You, you went deep into religion. You went deep into seeking the spiritual. But then you met Jesus and all of a sudden you understood and your life became focused. Maybe your story is a bit more, say, like um, Mary Magdalene's. You were restless in your spirit. Perhaps you even felt like evil just resided in you. You perhaps maybe constantly made the wrong choices. And then you met Jesus. And all of a sudden your life was full of peace. And you were sensitive. You're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his leading and his and his movement. And. And like Mary, you support ministries financially. It's just something that, that you love to do now that you know Jesus. Perhaps your story was is like the woman at the well. And every wrong decision that you could make in your life, you tended to make. And as you were growing up, you always just kind of felt like you were always with the wrong side of the crowd. But then you met Jesus. And all of, his uh, all of a sudden, the, the decisions that you made, you had the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you learned to understand what it is to make the right decisions. You all of a sudden didn't matter to you what crowd you were a part of because it mattered to you more that you were with Jesus than with anyone else. Maybe your story is like one of these people. Maybe your story is like Timothy's. Maybe you grew up in a household of faith. From the very earliest ages, you have known uh, the Scripture. You've loved the Bible. You, at some point, gave your life to Jesus because you followed the examples of your grandparents and your parents. And so you met Jesus, and now you're continuing that faith tradition in your own family of of sharing Jesus with those around you, especially your family. We all have stories, and they are all amazing. So here's for you. What's your story? Here's the first question for you. What was I like before I met Jesus? Put this slide up. What was I like before I met Jesus? There are words from the Bible that describe someone who is not in Christ. There's words in the Bible. These words right here, I'm just going to read them. Words that describe someone who is not in Christ. Ungodly, unrighteous, blind, truthless, foolish, lustful, impure, dishonoring, deceived, shameless, greedy, confused, Evil, covetous, full of malice, envious, murderers, deceitful, gossips, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, haughty, boastful, prideful, disobedient, faithless, heartless, heartless, ruthless, judgmental, spiritually dead, following the world, selfish, separated from God, and hopeless. Before you knew Jesus, those words were you, and those words were me. That's who we were. Take a look at this picture right here. See this uh, first picture? See that? Oh, oh. 
Look at that cute kid. That kid is in kindergarten. That kid grew up in a home with an alcoholic dad who was a loving alcoholic dad. That kid grew up in a home whose family had gone to church up until the time he was born, but then for some reason just stopped. Uh, so this kid is me, if you haven't gathered that. That's my kindergarten picture. Um, how could you not love that kid? <laughs> look at him. Look look at this next picture, though. Uh, sometimes you just have a bad day. And that's that's me in my school picture. I don't know what I was doing. I think I was probably mad that I had to sit next to that girl. And so I was slid all the way over to my friend, next to my friend. But look at my hair. Look at my shirt. I, I was disheveled. I don't know what happened that day, but it was not a good day. That kid doesn't know Jesus. Uh, look at this next slide. This kid doesn't know Jesus either. He's in fifth grade now. Um, in, in fifth grade, that's the first time I ever had somebody witness to me. Uh, my best friend at that time, his name was Michael. And I remember Michael, fifth grader, as best as he could witness to me. You know what he did? He, he came to school one day, and I remember very vividly, it was a Monday, and he came to me and said, hey Jason, I was saved last night. I had no idea what he was talking about. Saved from what? Saved from your, your dog? Saved from, from what? No, no, I went to church last night and I was saved. So, it was the first time I had ever been really introduced to the concept of salvation, even though I had no idea what he was talking about. I recognized I had a friend, his name was Michael, and he shared a bit of his story with me. I thought that was amazing as, as God brings things in mind uh, to you. I remember now Michael saying to me that he was saved. What words best describe you before you met Jesus? What one or two words could you boil your life down to before you met Jesus? Um, for me, I was confused. I was um, shy, but I was also arrogant. Um, uh, I was a girl chaser. Um, um, my wife would say I was a girl chaser even after I got saved because I chased her. But... Um, um, what words describe you? Get a couple of those words in your mind because you're going to use them in a little bit. So get a couple of words in mind. All right. Uh, how did I meet Jesus? That's the next question. How did I meet Jesus? Here are some words from the Bible that describe salvation. Child of God, friend of God, reconciled, forgiven, new creation. Transformed, saved, found, atoned, justified, sanctified, made holy, made righteous, brought near to Jesus. Dwelling place of God, spirit-filled, heirs of God's kingdom, redeemed, renewed, remade. All great stories that describe somebody who meets Jesus. Look at this next awful picture. Look at this picture right here. That's a great picture right there. This, this kid had big bushy red hair, he was acne-faced, wore braces, wore short shorts apparently, uh, couldn't understand why the girls didn't like him. Uh, this guy didn't know Jesus yet, but he's standing in the house of a friend named Rusty who did know Jesus and whose family knew Jesus, 
and share the love of Jesus with him. And it was through the witness of that family that this guy met Jesus. A few, a couple, about a year after this, uh, when I was 16 years old, is when I met Jesus. Um, through the witness of of a family who also loved Jesus. Um, and then the third third question. What am I like now that I know Jesus? So what was I like before I met Jesus? How did I meet Jesus? And what am I like now that I know Jesus? Here's some words from the Bible that describe someone who is in Christ. Speaker of the truth, encourager, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, self-controlled, selfless, godly, righteous, wise, pure, honoring, giving, clear-minded, good, joyful, humble, honest, lover of God, lover of people, obedient, forgiving, alive in Christ, follower of Jesus, in Christ, full of hope, compelled by love. These are words from the Bible that describe someone who is in Christ. I've got one more picture I want to show you. Uh, this picture is a guy who was after, uh, he, he, knows, he knows Jesus. And he's on the steps of Burt Dorm at UMHB. Uh, and look at that hair. Not, not her hair. Look at my hair. <laughs> I have hair. Uh, it was red and full. Well, it was a little thinning in, in the in the bald spot, but but that guy knew Jesus. That guy had known Jesus for about five years, and uh, his life was transformed totally. Um, he he had peace in his life. He still does. He ha- was given a purpose for living, and he still does. Uh, God blessed him immensely, allowing him to to marry the girl in the picture that's with him. Um, God has uh, just transformed this this guy. So for you, what are some ways that you would describe your own life now that you know Jesus? If you had to share your testimony in 15 seconds, could you do it? Could you share your testimony in 15 seconds? Imagine, imagine that you took an auto mechanics class once a week, you went to this class and you learned how to repair a car. And then once a week for the next 12 years, every week you went to this auto mechanics class learning how to repair a car. And you think you know how to repair a car, but you never actually go into your own garage and repair your car. And you, heaven forsake, you never go to repair anybody else's car but you're very happy to take the auto mechanics class. Doesn't that sound a little ridiculous? That you would never gain the confidence and never practice and never put in into reality anything that you're learning in the classroom. May we ourselves never ever be like that as a church, as a person, as a believer in Christ, where we come to class once a week, for 5, 10, 15, 40 years and never practically put into reality the things that we learn. So what I want you to do now, as you've thought about your own testimony, 
a couple of words of what you were like before Christ, a brief sentence of how you met Jesus, and how God transformed you, what you're like now that you met Christ. So for me, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a confused person, and I was just seeking what in the world am I going to do in life. And then I met Jesus, and Jesus brought clarity to my life and gave me purpose. That's a little 15-second testimony. So what I want you to do is you got a couple of options here. Get with somebody you trust. Uh, when Before the COVID spike, I was going to ask you to get with somebody you don't know that's not your spouse, at least, and share with them your testimony. Now I'm just going to simply ask you, get with somebody that you trust, somebody that maybe you've been with, and I want you to share your 15-second testimony. And if you're here by yourself, then what I want you to do is do something that's a little intimate and share your testimony with the Lord. And just tell him what you were like before he changed you. And remind him how you met him. And share with him how he's changed you. So, But if you're with somebody, I want you each just to take about 15 to 20 seconds each, 30 seconds each. And share your 15 second testimony with one another. So we're going to do that for about a minute. I have a timer right here. So on your mark, get set, go. Remember, keep it at 15 seconds. All right, you should be trading by now. Before I met Jesus, I was blank. Then I met Jesus. And now that I know Jesus, I have become more blank. About 10 seconds. All right, guys, thank you so much. Doesn't it feel good to share your story? Doesn't it feel good just to share what God has done in your life? What God is doing in your life? how you were at one time in your life and then that glorious time when when God touched you and you received Him joyfully and how God has transformed you, how God has changed you. It's an amazing story. Your story is amazing. Whether you got saved when you were five years old on your mother's lap or you got saved last week at the witness of of one of your best friends, your story is amazing. Do not be ashamed of your story. Embrace your story because because God Himself is the one who is writing your story. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So embrace your story. Never be ashamed of it. Ever be ashamed of the story God is writing for you. So, with your one, sharing with your one... Things you can do with your one to have a gospel conversation. Share the activity of God in your life. Share encouraging words from the Bible, truth and comfort. And don't leave out your story. Don't leave out your story because it's amazing. 
And your story cannot be refuted because it's your story. And one other thing that you can do with your one, I want you to begin praying. In two weeks, on August 29th, our, our worship service, or uh, the, the sermon, is going to be evangelistic, and it will be an evangelistic appeal. It will be a call for those to come to faith, to know Jesus. Uh, it, you know, just think of the old gospel-style revival sermon. Um, so if there is a one in your life, if there is somebody that God has been working with you and you are sharing bits of your life and, and you're open, you share the activity of God in your life, you share your story and, and you share bits of the gospel, if you're at that point in your relationship where you are ready to invite them to church, the August 29th service will be the service to invite them to. Okay? So do we have a deal? You begin praying. You begin asking God, who am I going to invite? And let's get to inviting. So we cannot be ashamed of our own stories. If you are a follower of Jesus, your story is amazing. Be bold, be brave, be courageous. Be ready to share your story with someone this week. Because now that we got this ball rolling, God's going to provide the opportunity. So you be ready. And when it comes, jump right in. And God will be with you the whole way. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are the Lord of our lives. We thank you that we all have a story. Just like Zacchaeus, uh, we, we were not who we should have been. Then we met you and you made us who we could be in you. So Lord, I thank you for the believers in this church, those who are in Christ, because every one of us, you have written an amazing story in our lives. Lord, may we never be ashamed. May we never shrink back from telling our own stories of how you have changed us how you have provided through your grace the forgiveness of sins the restoration of life a hope and a purpose for these days that we have on earth so god would you work in our lives in our hearts this very moment Breaking down barriers that we may have, the fears that we have, the hesitations that we have when it comes to sharing you and sharing our story. We love you so much. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand together now. And my invitation to you is just to simply talk to God as we sing. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage.